For all the heroes of the national parks we've covered on this podcast over nearly 200 episodes, it's a wonder we haven't spent time with a photographer who brought the beauty, grandeur, and spirit of nature to the world, showing the need for preservation and curating a desire for the nation to visit them. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the America's National Parks Podcast. Ansel Adams is, to be sure, the most famous photographer ever, and his contributions to the natural world rival his innovations and artistry in his medium. Adams had a long photography career and was an important figure in the American conservation movement. During his life, he photographed some of the most beautiful sites in America and held dozens of gallery shows that promoted parks like the Grand Canyon. But his church was Yosemite. Today, the works of Ansel Adams have been exhibited and distributed across the world, from the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., to the Young Museum in San Francisco, to the Ansel Adams Gallery, now located in the Yosemite Valley itself. Here's Abby. Ansel Adams was born in San Francisco in 1902 as the only child of Charles Hitchcock Adams and Olivia Bray Adams. The grandson of a wealthy timber baron, Adams grew up in a house set amid the sand dunes of the Golden Gate. When Adams was only four, an aftershock of the great earthquake of 1906 threw him to the ground and badly broke his nose, distinctly marking him for life. A year later, the family fortune collapsed in the financial panic of 1907, and Adams' father spent the rest of his life desperately attempting to rebuild, unsuccessfully. The Adams were older than most parents, and their household was distinctly Victorian. Ansel had few friends, and his mother spent much of her time brooding and fretting over her husband's inability to restore the Adams' fortune, leaving an ambivalent imprint on her son. Charles Adams, on the other hand, deeply and patiently influenced, encouraged, and supported his son. Natural shyness in the clear beginnings of genius caused Adams to have problems fitting in at school. His father and aunt tutored him at home as he was falling behind. Where Adams did find joy as a child was in nature. Nearly every day found him hiking the dunes of the Golden Gate and the other wild land that existed in the San Francisco area a century ago. When Adams was 12, he taught himself to play the piano and read music. Soon he was taking lessons, and the pursuit of music became his substitute for formal schooling. For the next dozen years, the piano was Adam's primary occupation, and by 1920, his intended profession. Although he ultimately gave up music for photography, the piano brought substance, discipline, and structure to his frustrating and erratic youth. The careful training and exacting craft required of a musician would inform his visual artistry for decades to come. If Adam's love of nature was nurtured in the Golden Gate, his life was, in his words, colored and modulated by the great earth gesture of the Yosemite Sierra. He spent substantial time there every year from age 13 until his death. From his first visit, Adams was transfixed and transformed. He began using the Kodak number no. 1 box brownie camera his parents had given him. He hiked, climbed and explored, gaining self-esteem and self-confidence. In 1919, he joined the Sierra Club and spent the first of four summers in Yosemite Valley as keeper of the club's LeConte Memorial Lodge. 
He became friends with many of the club's leaders who were founders of America's nascent conservation movement. He met his wife, Virginia Best, in Yosemite. They were married in 1928. The Sierra Club was vital to Adams' early success as a photographer. His first published photographs and writings appeared in the club's 1922 bulletin, and he had his first one-man exhibition in 1928 at the club's San Francisco headquarters. Each summer, the club conducted a month-long trip which attracted up to 200 members. The participants hiked each day to a new and beautiful campsite, accompanied by a large contingent of pack mules, packers, cooks, and the like. As photographer of these outings in the late 1920s, Adams began to realize that he could earn enough to survive and even prosper as a photographer. By 1934, Adams had been elected to the club's board of directors and was well-established as both the artist of the Sierra Nevada and the defender of Yosemite. 1927 was the pivotal year of Adams' life. He made his first fully visualized photograph, Monolith, the face of Half Dome, and took his first high trip. More important, he came under the influence of Albert M. Bender, a San Francisco insurance magnate and patron of art and artists. Literally the day after they met, Bender set in motion the preparation and publication of Adam's first portfolio, Parmelian Prince of the High Sierras. Bender's friendship, encouragement, and tactful financial support changed Adam's life dramatically. His creative energies and abilities as a photographer blossomed, and he began to have the confidence and wherewithal to pursue his dreams. Bender's patronage triggered the transformation of journeyman concert pianist into the artist whose photographs, as critic Abigail Forrestner wrote in the Chicago Tribune, did for the national parks something comparable to what Homer's epics did for Odysseus. Although Adams transitions from musician to photographer did not happen at once, his passion shifted rapidly after Bender came into his life and the projects and possibilities multiplied. In addition to spending summers photographing in the Sierra Nevada, Adams made several lengthy trips to the Southwest to work with Mary Austin. Their magnificent limited edition book, Taos Pueblo, was published in 1930. In the same year, Adams met photographer Paul Strand, whose images had a powerful impact on Adams and helped move him away from the pictorial style he had favored in the 1920s. Adams began to pursue straight photography, in which the clarity of the lens was emphasized and the final print gave no appearance of being manipulated in the camera or the darkroom, even though it was. Adams was soon to become straight photography's most articulate and insistent champion. Adams' technical mastery was the stuff of legend. More than any creative photographer, before or since, he reveled in the theory and practice of the medium. He served as principal photographic consultant to Polaroid and Hasselblad, and developed the famous and highly complex zone system of controlling exposure and development enabling photographers to creatively visualize an image and produce a photograph. He produced 10 volumes of technical manuals on photography, which are the most influential books ever written on the subject. Adams' energy and capacity for work were simply colossal. He often labored for 18 or more hours per day, for days and weeks on end. 
There were no vacations, no holidays, no Sundays in Ansel Adams' life. Frequently, after an intense period of work, he would return to San Francisco or Yosemite, promptly contract the flu, and spend several days in bed. His hyperkinetic existence was also fueled by alcohol, for which he had a particular fondness, and a constant whirl of social activity, friends, and colleagues. Adams described himself as a photographer, lecturer, writer. It would perhaps be more accurate to say that he was simply a communicator. He endlessly traveled the country in pursuit of both the natural beauty he revered and photographed, and the audiences he required. The photography of Ansel Adams is often recognized for its dramatic and important subject matter in portraying nature. It's also distinct for the technical innovations that Adams developed throughout his artistic career. His first portfolio of art was quite profitable, giving him the financial freedom to experiment extensively with new techniques. He shot many photos in black and white to clarify the beauty of natural elements and to create intensity and drama in them. He used the technique of chiaroscuro, contrasting light and dark, to create impressive scale. Adams died in 1984 in California from complications of cardiovascular disease. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and narrated by Abigail Trebu. We hope you'll consider supporting us through our Patreon program for less than a dollar an episode. You can help us make these episodes possible by hiring writers to track down the stories you care about at patreon.com slash nationalparkspodcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. If you're interested in RV travel, check out RVMiles.com and find us at the RV Miles Podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys as our wandering family all across social media. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks 